Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. Have you ever been bold about something? I want you to think about something right now in your mind that you're like, okay, I'm, I'm very bold about this. Like, and what would that be like? Like, what is something that in your life you could say, I'm, you know, I could talk about that. I've got confidence in that. And I could be definitely bold about that, you know. Um, this past week I had the privilege of going to, I took my nephew out and we went to um, Buffalo Wild Wings on Monday night. And he is a huge football fan. Now, I like football, but he is like 11 years old, and like he knows every player's name, their stats. Like He knows everything. It's like amazing to me. And I really feel dumb when I'm talking to him, honestly. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right. And uh, so we went, we had, a, we had a great time, and we watched the game there together. But I was thinking about, like, he is bold in his knowledge of football and how he talks about it and, and how he shares it, even with me, very bold, um, and how confident he is. And like, this team's going to win or this team's going to win because of last year this. And uh, I just see a boldness there because he's confident in what he is saying because he knows about what he is saying. Now, when I was 11, not, not so much. Uh, but when I was 11, I think back to like show and tell. Like that was like the, if you could pick one event in like your life going back, it was like show and tell was like the coolest. You could pick something, like you go through your room and like, okay, I'm taking something into my class today and like I got to find the coolest thing and you want to take it in and you want to show everybody and then you get to talk about it. It's like, this is the coolest thing ever and this is why it's cool and that's why I'm cool. You know, that's kind of the, the thing that you want to do. But I wasn't bold really about anything. Like I knew about like Transformers and like X-Wing Fighters. I think those are the two things I remember bringing in. Uh, but being bold about something is having the knowledge and the confidence in it. And if you think about another thing in your life, that maybe you grew over time with your boldness and what that looked like. Um, and immediately I was trying to think of something, and it, it is definitely in my life, it is roller coasters. When I was younger, my dad took me on a roller coaster, very young age, and it terrified me. I mean, I was very, I was crying, and I was like, well, I was like five. I was probably like, why was he taking me on a roller coaster at five years old? So I went on it, and I was scared. So for many years, I was very, very scared to get on a roller coaster. Later, um, when I went to, uh, let's see, Americana, I don't know if anybody here remembers the, the great amusement park called Americana. Well, hello. Check, check, check. There, it's on. Going in and out. All right, I'll just be very careful. Anyway, I went to Americana, and there was a roller coaster there called the, it was the Eagles. It was like Screeching Eagle or something like that. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But I remember going on. It was a wooden roller coaster, and I got on it. I'm like, okay, this is the time. I'm going to get on it. I'm going to face my fears, and I'm going to do great. So I got on it, and I held on. Like, you hold on to the bar, and you go up, and it was really, you know, it was one of the wooden ones that, like, would knock your head off because you just be shaking so much. So I went up, went down. I made it. I was holding on tight, so I made it through the whole thing. Well, as I progressed, I, be, I grew more confident in riding a roller coaster 
So I would go to Kings Island, and pretty soon, before I would know it, I was a teenager, and I was like waiting in line to ride the front car, riding every first car, hands up, because I was super confident in riding a roller coaster. Like that was something that I grew in boldness over time, that when I, even now to this day, I love riding roller coasters, but I had to grow in confidence in that. Um, When we look at the story here today, we see four men and one paralytic who are bold in their faith. And I would ask you, are you bold in your faith? And what does that look like? They're very confident in in who Jesus is and what he can do. Uh, And I would, would you be this bold? Like, think about the situation and what was going on and what these men were doing. Um, They had an extreme boldness because the crowd was so big, what they had to do. And uh, I look at that situation, I'm like, could I do that? I'm not sure if I could. Um, But when we look at this story, and this is maybe a story that we've all heard and, and you've learned when you were younger, and, and it is in three of the Gospels as we go through them. Um, but I don't want you to focus specifically on what these guys did, because that's where my focus always was. It was like, well, this is the point of the story, what these guys did. But I want you to focus instead on what Jesus did, because today in the text, Jesus makes an incredible statement. Um, It is a statement that they were not expecting at all. Uh, Crowds were going to see Jesus, what, for healing, and that's why these guys were going. Um, They were seeking him out. Um, But Jesus gives an unexpected reaction. He forgives their sins. And if you think about that, these guys are probably like, what? Like, they did all this work, and they they lower him down, and they're waiting, you know, to see what Jesus will do. And what does he do? First thing he did, I forgive your sins. And they're probably like, no, that's that's not why we came. And it was a shocking statement. Instead of feel a physical healing, he puts the focus on spiritual healing. So this week, as we are talking about Thanksgiving, and if you are like me, every year at this time, are you thankful and are you thinking through like what you are thankful for? There's so much to be thankful for, especially as a Christ follower. And um, even this song that they just got done playing, Gratitude, one of my I have to say, it is my favorite worship song right now. And why is that? I think we connect with it on such a, such a level. And I don't know if you feel the same way. It's like, I am just worthless. And I have nothing to give but my worship. And that's how I feel. Like, uh, just, I just want to sing hallelujah. And it really puts into perspective how great God is and how low I am. And I think that's why it's so worshipful for me. But in that, there, when you get towards the end, this part of the song, it says, Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. And what's it talking about there? It's like, listen, it is time to praise the Lord. Don't get shy about this. You've got a lion inside of you. You can roar. You could sing out. That is what the song is saying there at the end. And this, this boldness about how we worship and what that looks like comes through in that song. And, I, and that, I think, is another piece of that song that just makes it so, so good. Um, so if you're a Christian... What is it that you are most thankful for? I want, you to, I want you to just think about that for a second. When I think about that, there are things like I, I'm my family. I'm so thankful for my family. I'm so thankful for my health. I'm so thankful for my church family. I'm so thankful I get to come here on Sundays and worship. All of these things are, are great things. I'm blessed in like so many ways. But above anything else, 
What should we be thankful for? I am thankful for forgiveness, forgiveness of my sins, for who I was, the things that I did. God has made a way for me to be forgiven, and that is an amazing statement, and that is the point that Jesus is making here in the text today. So just to review a little bit, before we dive into the text, we are in, we just finished chapter one, and a lot happened in Mark chapter one. Mark was written by John Mark through the eyewitness accounts of Peter. And I think that's very important to realize that everything is an eyewitness account. Even today, what we are talking about is through an eyewitness account. Um, It is one of the gospels, one of the synoptic gospels. So if you talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar, and there's a lot of crossovers if you look at the stories and Jesus' ministry and what's going on. This story is found in all three of those Gospels, and it's very interesting if you have time this week to go read them. They are very, very similar, and we will dive into that just a little bit today. Um, uh, So it's one of the synoptic Gospels. Now, each one of the Gospels kind of looks at Jesus' ministry just a little bit differently. So if you read them all, it gives you like a full kind of view, a full perspective Um, on Jesus' ministry, and we should be thankful that we get that full view, that we get all the Gospels that we can read and that we can study. Um, This particular Gospel is written to a Gentile audience, and it is the shortest Gospel. We know this is the one that even is shared the most because it is uh, to, you know, because you can share this to a Gentile audience to everyone around the world to to show them Jesus' ministry and what he did. Um. Now, we've seen so much happen in just chapter 1. Just some of the things, uh, we are introduced to John the Baptist. Jesus is baptized, and he's firm by the Father. Um, Jesus begins his ministry, and he calls his first disciples. Um, Jesus uh, begins to heal people. He's casting out demons, and he is preaching. He is building his ministry is where we're at. And everyone is amazed. Like, they are blown away by what he is doing. So crowds are now following him and searching him out. So if we look at Mark chapter 1, verse 38, it says this, And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus is on a mission to do what? To preach. And that is what he is doing. So last week, we saw Jesus cleanse a leper. Uh, and this was a beautiful picture of Jesus' compassion and how he loves and how he can heal. Um, The takeaways last week were prayer must be a way of life. Uh, That is because we saw the example that Jesus set and how we should live also by a life of prayer. And the other takeaway was everyone needs cleansed, and only Jesus has the power to do it. Um, Now, as we look at where we left off in Scripture, the leper then uh, couldn't keep his mouth shut. I mean, he was so excited, and what did he do? He He talks freely about Jesus to everyone. And Jesus, so much so that Jesus couldn't even enter a town. So you can imagine the crowds are going crazy, just wanting to get to see him, find out who he is, and investigate. So this is where we pick up today. Um, So last week, we saw Jesus reveal his mission. This week, we see Jesus reveal his authority. He reveals who he is by what he says. So what's our big idea this week? Our big idea is Jesus reveals his authority. Jesus reveals his authority. And how do we see this? By Jesus making a bold statement. He forgives sins. And you can imagine the scribes at the time, they're like, 
what? Like, what did he say? Like, how could he say that? And that is why they are there. So we're going to look at the text and see what Jesus reveals throughout the text about his own authority as we go through this today. And what does it mean for us as we look at this? Um, One thing, we can have confidence in who he is. As we study today, I want your knowledge of who Jesus is and his authority to grow in your knowledge so you can have a confidence that what? That you can be bold about it. Even as we see these four men who were bold because they knew who Jesus was and they knew what he could do. So confidence that leads to boldness in our faith, all right? So let's start with the first two verses here, verses one and two. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. So the first thing it says is after some days. So how long is that? Well, it's a sufficient enough time that the excitement has died down just a little bit. So he can come back without getting mobbed by all the people. So sufficient time has passed for the excitement to die down. Um, and it says it was reported. So what does that mean? That means the word got out that Jesus was back. And immediately um, the crowds were, were coming to see where he was and what he was doing. So it says he went home. Now, we know that that is actually Peter and Andrew's house. And if we look back in chapter 1, we see in verse 29, it says, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So this is kind of his home base, like where he is is staying and where he is meeting. So that's what is meant by home. So many were gathered together. So Who was this many that were gathered together? I want you to have a really good picture in your mind of what this crowd looks like, who was there, and who was observing because of what Jesus said. So if we go to uh, Luke, um, this is the same story, Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. It said, on one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, if you look at this, remember, this is that fuller picture that I'm talking about. So if we go to another gospel and kind of see what what Luke had to say, we see that this crowd of people, the many that were gathered in there, in Mark, they say scribes. In this, there is, he is talking about Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. And where were they from? They were from all over the place. So the reason that is significant is because they've heard about him, and what are they doing? They are coming to find out. They want to investigate. They want to see who this guy is and what he is doing. So there were so many, there was no room. So full capacity here. There was no room to get in. There was no room to stand, even outside of the house. And what was Jesus doing here? Was he there healing? No, he was not healing. He was preaching the word. So the first thing that we see about Jesus' revealed authority is this. He has the authority to what? To preach the word. He has the authority to preach the word. Now, to you and I, we know Jesus has the authority to preach the word. And that was really what we talked about last week. It was his mission, right? And that was what was in that verse 38, that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. This was his mission, and this is what he was there to do. Um, But I want you to contrast that with who he is to the scribes, because if we look in, in verse 22, it says this. 
And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. So, right, there's the authority. And not as the scribes. So they were astonished at his teaching, and right there it's set up that he is not like the scribes. This is what they were watching for. This is what the big crowds were there. That's why they had these teachers that were coming around and trying to see what he was doing. They were watching for him to blaspheme. They were watching for him to say something that they could just nail him to the wall. So that's why we're there, just waiting for him and listening to his teaching. But he had the authority to preach the word. Why? He is the word in the flesh. He is the word. There is no one more qualified than he is to actually preach. If you look at John 1, 14, it says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You know, he has the authority because he is the source. Like, if there's anyone that they should be listening to preach the word, it should be Jesus. Jesus reveals his authority to preach the word. All right, let's move on. Verses three and five, three through five, it says this. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, here's where we see the four men enter and the paralytic men enter the story. Um, who are persistent in their goal to get to Jesus, right? So you can even imagine if they were getting there, and all of a sudden you see this crowd that's like out the front door, like, and they're like, well, what are we going to do? Like they could have just went, well, I guess let's try again tomorrow. Let's just go home because this is, no. They're like, no, we're going to find a way. We're going to find a way to get in here because this is important. So they're persistent in their goal to get to Jesus. Now it says they removed the roof. Now, as you have heard this before, and if I have heard this, I've been kind of confused. I'm like, how is that, how is that even possible? Like, because I think in my own terms and in my own roof at home, like you're pulling back shingles and then there's insulation. There's all this stuff that's like blocking your way down. Like, it, how could they really do that? Is it really possible to be able to do that? Well, absolutely it is possible for them to be able to do it. Because houses at this time were actually flat. It was a flat roof, and there was a ladder that would go up the outside so you could get to the top of the roof. It was actually a place where they could stay, and they can stand and do different things. Now, the, the roof was made of, it had wood beams, and there was like, it's like clay, mud, and straw that are put together and made into tiles. And I actually, there's many different theories on like how the roof could have been made. Um, but clearly what they have done is they've been able to pull pieces away and move it to the side. Now, you can also imagine that if it's fastened together by mud, if they're doing that, there's obviously, like, stuff's falling down. Like, it would be quite obvious that somebody's, like, opening the roof if you're standing in the room. So everybody's, like, like looking up. You can imagine if that were happening right now. Like, what would you do? Everybody would, it would have everybody's attention as they looked up, right? So this is what they were doing. They removed the roof. Um, now, this shows a boldness in their action. And why is that? Because obviously they thought, we're going to put him in. They had no plan B to get him back out it would, because it would be very difficult to pull him back up and back out with all the people down. So their boldness and their faith came along to know that Jesus would do, that he could heal, 
the, the only way that he would get out of that house, uh, the paralytic man, was if he walked as Jesus healed him. So we see a boldness in their actions here about that they believed in Jesus and, and what he would do. But then Jesus, seeing his faith, seeing their faith, what does he do? Does he heal him, first thing? No, that is not what he does. He forgives his sins, and this is the shocking statement that caused the, everyone in the crowd to, I'm sure, be like, oh, like, what is he saying? So what do we see here about Jesus' revealed authority? He has the authority to forgive sins. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Now, I want you to notice he did not say, he didn't pray to the Father and say, God, the Father, please forgive his sins. He didn't say that. He has the authority to do it. It was his own authority. And you can even see how he cares for the paralytic man by how he addresses him. He calls him son, which is uh, in the Greek technon, which means child. Like he cares for this man in a way that he heals him. You can see his compassion for him. But remember, he says he is, he is, his sins are forgiven. Why? He sees their faith. He sees their faith. If you go to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, one of my favorite uh, verses here, uh, says, For by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we want to be clear here in what Jesus is doing, and we want to be clear about the gospel, right? For us to be born again, there's nothing that we can do, right? It is by grace that we have been saved through faith, through faith. And we see this clear example here that Jesus heals, forgives him of his sins because of faith that he sees. Now, as we look at this, and as we look at uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, I do want to say that none of us deserve this. None of us deserve this grace. Like each and every one of us here were born as an enemy of God because of what? Because of the fall, because of what happened with Adam and Eve. So none of us deserve it, right? But God has made a plan through his son to take the punishment for our sins. That is the most beautiful thing. And you see that our sins because of Jesus, can be forgiven. So Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, that we see clearly here. Also, another point I would like to make, in Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 2, Paul talks, is talking to the church there, and he says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I just want to make the point there that we see this beautiful picture of these four guys taking another guy to Jesus, Right? That they're bearing one another's burdens here. They are concerned for their, for their friend, and what did they do? They say, okay, we're going to take you to Jesus. And not only that, they're persistent in it. They say, well, we're not going to give up. We're going to find a way to get in. So we see this beautiful picture there of them bearing one another's burdens together as they go to Jesus. So do you understand the value of this gift? If you look at it two ways, a healed body... Or a healed soul. Do you see a difference there? And do you see a value difference between the two? I read this this week. A healed body assures life for a few years, right? Where that is a wonderful thing. If we pray for healing and, and God heals us, that assures us life for what? For some time. But 
A healed soul assures what? Life forever with God. Like that is the weight that goes, like do you understand the value of that? I came across this quote from Warren Wearsby this week, and I just love it the way he puts this. He says, forgiveness is the greatest miracle Jesus ever performs. So I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus did all these amazing miracles, right, that blew their minds, that blow our minds. But what is he saying here? Forgiveness is the greatest miracle Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need. It costs the greatest price, right? He had to pay his life for it. And it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. Why? Forever with God. So forgiveness is the greatest miracle Jesus ever performs. I just think that is a wonderful quote, and it really puts it into perspective what we're talking about here. Notice also that they went to Jesus, right? They didn't sit back and say, well, maybe someday Jesus will come. No, they're like, no, we want to take this man. We want to go to Jesus. And they went to him. So what I want to do is I want you guys to have a heart check. So what sounds better to you, physical healing or spiritual healing? Like, do you even compare those two in your mind? What does that look like? I'll even do one better. Let's compare two different things. How about a million dollars or forgiveness of your sins? And I want you to think about that for a second because I know if you're like me, you'd be like, okay, a million dollars? That's, that's a lot. Like, I could do a lot with that. Like, I could pay off a lot of debt. I could do a lot of things. I could help people, you know. Is that more valuable in your heart or is the forgiveness of your sins in eternity with God? This is where the value is. But I want you to think about that, and I want you to pray about that. So Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. So he, at this moment, this is why it is so shocking to them, he is proclaiming that he is God. And we see that in the next verse. So let's go on. Verses 6 through 8. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Now, notice they're questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that, uh, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? So we look at this, and remember, this is, it says scribes here. Remember, these are the teachers, these are the Pharisees, teachers of the law who come from, from far and wide. They're thinking, who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know what? They're right. That is a correct statement. They're sitting there evaluating the situation and saying, wait a minute. Who can, who can forgive sins? Only God can do that. So in their thinking and what they're thinking, they're absolutely correct. The problem is they don't understand who Jesus is. That means in their minds, well, he is either divine in who he says he is, or he's a blasphemer, and he's a liar, and he's not doing what he says he can do. So what do we see here about Jesus' revealed authority? He has the authority as God. He has the authority as God. He immediately, he perceives in their spirits, which should tell you right there, Jesus knew their hearts. He already knew what they were thinking. He knew it. Jesus is God, he forgave sins, and he knew their hearts. If you think about it this way, think about like an equation, if you're a, a math geek, right? So only God forgives sins, 
Jesus forgives sins, therefore Jesus is God, right? That is what is going on here. I want to go to Colossians chapter 1 because I think this is a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. It helps you kind of step back and see the magnitude of who Jesus is. Colossians 1 verses 15 and 16 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So right there. We'll stop there for a second. He is the image of the invisible God, right? Meaning that he is in the flesh. So he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. What does that mean? Creation is all his. Like the firstborn gets the inheritance. So all of creation is his and under his authority. It says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That should blow your mind as you look at it and who he is. He has the authority as God. He says, why do you question in your hearts? So I would ask you today, where is your heart? Do you acknowledge who Jesus is? Do you understand who he is? Because a lot of times our minds can't wrap around like even that, those verses in Colossians are hard for me. I'm like, wait, what? He's the, he was there before, and he created it. It's by him and for him. And like, how does that all work? But you see, he is the everything here in creation, and that's what we see. So where is your heart today? Do you understand he has authority as God? And do you have confidence in him being God? All right, let's go on. Verses 9 and 10. Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. Now, you look at that, and he's posing a question, right? There's like two things. Which is easier? Is it this or is it this? And what are those two things? Your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to rise, to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? He is posing that question to them. Because neither of them were easy for them. Both are impossible for man, but equally easy to God. One you can see and one you can't see. If you think about it, one is very dismissible, right? So if you were there and just like you don't know what's in my heart, like even if I say, you know, I have been forgiven of my sins, like you really don't know that. You can't tell. Maybe you could see the evidence of my faith through like my joy and like how I love people and how I love people well. But just like him saying, I forgive you of your sins, that's not something they could say, oh, I can see that now. It was something that could be dismissible that they could say, well, he can say that, but is it true? I don't really know. But so there was one thing that they couldn't see and one thing they could see, and that was the healing. So Jesus has the authority, and what does he call himself? He calls himself the Son of Man, the Son of Man. So what do we see here about Jesus' revealed authority? He has authority as the Son of Man, as the Son of Man. Now, this title here, to understand what, the, what this is and the importance of this title, is a messianic title. And what's interesting about this, it is free from political view, which means he's the Messiah who has come. But if he would have said, well, I'm the king or I'm the Christ, they would all be picturing something different. They would have been picturing, oh, well, he's come to like take over. He's coming to lead an army. 
and he's going to take back what we, the land. You know, that's what they would have been thinking. But he uses this, the son of man, as his title. And it's his favorite title because he uses it 14 times in the book of Mark. And where does it come from? If we look back in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, it says this. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven that came only like a, like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Now, when you look at this Old Testament passage, like, they knew this. So when he says this, they realize what he is saying and what this is pointing to. This, this was in Daniel, but is pointing to the Messiah who was coming. So he calls himself the Son of Man. Jesus also refers to this in Matthew uh, when he is talking about a place to stay. Matthew 8, verse 20 says, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So just another example of how he uses this um, title for himself and what he is talking about. So looking at his authority and who he is, Jesus shows that these two choices are both easy for him. He can do both. And, he, and if you look at it the way he has done it, he says, okay, well, guess what? Your sins are forgiven. And you would think they'd be like, oh, okay, so how could, he, how could he prove that? How could he prove that? So he says, okay, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, well, yeah. And he said, well, guess what? And I'm also going to heal you. And that is the proof. That is what he does to make sure that they understand who he is. That is his proof to the skeptical crowd who is watching him. So Jesus makes the command in the next verse, and he proves his authority. So let's look at verses 11 and 12 as we look at here the last two verses. It says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, if you can imagine, so imagine the tension like in the moment that is happening here because he says, well, I'm gonna forgive your, I forgive your sins. And they're like, what? He's like, well, rise and pick up your, your bed and go home. And you can imagine at the silence in the room, like what would happen? And as they waited, he bends up, he is healed, he gets up and he takes his stuff and they are amazed by it. Well, could you imagine if he didn't rise, if he didn't get up, if Jesus said, well, I forgive your sins. And then he stops and he says, you know what? Take up your bed and rise and go home. And he was not healed. Well, Jesus' ministry would have stopped right there. But what happened? Because of God's plan, because of who he is and how he put uh, Jesus uh, was able to perform miracles because he is God, this is what amazed them. That was his plan. So as we look at this, what do we see about Jesus' revealed authority? His authority is proven. His authority is proven. And as we looked at Colossians, we see that he has authority over all creation, as we have seen before. If we look in John 17, 1 and 2, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh, right? There's the authority that has been given to him 
to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Right? There is the authority that he has been given. So if we look at the reaction, what was the reaction here? It says, so that they were all, so they were all amazed, and what did they do? They glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. They glorified God. In Luke chapter 7, verse 16, we see another reaction to Jesus' miracle. It says, fear seized them all. And what happened? And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. It is what they are saying that glorifies God because of what they have seen. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. These eyewitness accounts prove who Jesus is. It says they had never seen anything like this. That's God's plan. And that's what he put forth. And that's what he put in scripture for us to learn and to understand. Jesus acted with unprecedented authority over what? Physical illness, over casting out demons, but even bolder declaration, he forgave sins through the saving grace of the gospel. That is amazing. And your confidence in Jesus should grow as we study that text today. That is the whole point. And that should be our reaction. As you see their reaction here and what he did, they went and they, what, they were amazed in that and they glorified God. That should be our reaction when we see the, what Jesus has done and that his authority is proven. All right, so as we have looked at this text today, I hope that it has helped you to grow in your understanding of Jesus' authority. And I also hope that it has maybe given you the confidence also to be bold in who Jesus is as you've seen his authority. So um, we have seen Jesus' authority revealed in the events with the paralytic. And what does that look like? The authority to preach the word, right? He is the word. His authority to forgive sins, that bold statement that he makes. And, and what does that reveal? He has authority as God. He has authority as the son of man. Right? He is the Messiah, and his authority is proven. He has authority over all. He has authority over everything. So what is our next step today? Our next step is this. Be bold because of Jesus' authority. Be bold because of Jesus' authority. Now, if you're here today and, and you do not have a relationship with Christ and you're like, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if I've surrendered. First, you have to surrender to his authority in your life. You have to understand that you are a broken person, that you are a sinner born as an enemy of God. And as you come, you understand that the only way for you to have your relationship restored to God is to surrender to Christ. Why? Because he paid the payment. He's the one who paid the payment for the punishment of sins. But you have to surrender and go to him. So first you have to surrender to his authority in your life. And then have confidence in that authority in your life. This leads to boldness. This leads to uh, being bold in your faith and how you share the gospel, how you talk to other people. Confidence equals boldness in this situation. Boldness in the life that you live and boldness in your conversations. Uh, one conversation that always stands out to me. So when I was 24 years old, 
That is when I surrendered my life to Christ. I had lived a life trying to find happiness in, in many other areas, and it fell flat. I was broken. And, and at that point, at 24 years old, I had, I had come to, like, the end of my rope. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do here, and I don't know how I'm going to make it on my own. Because nothing I was trying was working. And I had somebody explain the gospel to me. And at that moment, I'm like, this makes sense to me. That's, that's purpose. Like, I am a, like, I had evidence I was a clear sinner because of the stuff, the decisions I had made, and all the stuff that I had done. And then I realized that I wanted to surrender to him, to his authority in my life. So I did that at the age of 24. Did I continue to sin? Absolutely. We all struggle with sin as we continue to grow and we continue to grow. But do we want to strive to be more like Christ? Absolutely. And he continues to work in us and he continues to sanctify us in what we do. But at that time, at 24 years old, I was working in a place and there was sin everywhere. Like the owner of the place was corrupt. He was not good. There was management there that was corrupt. They were doing things that weren't, and there was even the people that I worked side by side. And I was looking at this like, I'm a new creation now, and I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know what to do. There's so much darkness here. There's no light. Like that's how I felt. And I prayed about it. Like, should I leave here? Should I not? What should I do? And that, very soon, I think it was that, it was the next day, um, I was at work, and a, a, a dad and a mom and a little girl came in. And this made such an impact on me. Like, it still affects me to this day. Like, after praying that, she walked up to me and she pointed at me. And she goes, do you know Jesus Christ can be your Lord and Savior? Like, right like that. And I was like, <gasps> like, what? And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, God, I get it. Like, I had just prayed that. And then God was using the boldness of this little girl to, and she was proclaiming the gospel. She didn't care. She was walking around. Do you know Jesus Christ can be your savior? And I was like taken aback by that. And I could even tell the parents were like, okay, okay, wait. Like they, they felt like, okay, no, 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 no. Like, but I was amazed by her boldness. And we should have that same sort of boldness, that confidence that that little girl had when she shared, when she was sharing with me. And that made a big impact on me because at that moment, I'm like, okay, God, I get it. Like, even here, you are here. Like, it's not like I enter in this place and like I leave you at church. Like, Father, I have the Holy Spirit and you are with me. So it, it gave me hope in that situation. But I want you to take away the boldness in that little girl's conversation. So are you bold in how you share the gospel? Are you bold in how you're talking to other people? And maybe you're not confident in sharing the gospel, but what you can do is share how Jesus has changed your life and what that looks like. That I was here, and I was doing these things, but now I'm a new creation. Now I'm over here. I'm not perfect, but this is the changes that have happened. And this is how God is moving. And this is the evidence of him in my life. People can't argue with that, right? They're going to say, oh, wow. And if people see that change in you, that is the light that, that is referred to. That is the light that shines that people can see the gospel in you. So I would ask you, are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing your faith? Are you having those conversations because I know it's not easy. I know if you are an introvert or somebody who's like, oh, those conversations are like, hmm, those are hard. Yeah, but you can talk about your faith. And if somebody opens the door, if somebody's saying, you know what, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this. And I'm, I'm having a hard time. I don't understand this. Well, that's the perfect opportunity to say, well, can I talk to you about this? Because here's what I have found out. This is what has happened in my life. And this is how Jesus has changed me. See, that's a much different conversation than saying, well, you are a sinner. 
Like, you, like how you talk to somebody about your faith makes a huge difference. But sharing the gospel is so important in what you're doing. So be bold in that. Be, and I should say this, be loving in being bold. Boldness doesn't mean like pow, pow. Boldness means have confidence in what you're saying because you understand Jesus' authority in your life. And then share it because you have confidence in who Jesus is. And you know the evidence because of what he has done in your own life. So share the gospel. Help others to come to Jesus. All right, so I want to leave you with Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This passage in Hebrews, this is a great one to memorize and have right here. Because when you need that confidence, you need to understand Jesus understands where you're at. And he is the great high priest, right? And that we can draw, we can, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, to him, and that's where we should go. That we should may find that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Surrender to his authority in your life. There is nothing better than you can do. Just hand over the reins. Say, listen, I want you to be in control. Have confidence in his authority to be bold. Remember, I I'll go back to the, the roller coaster. Remember riding the roller coaster the first time? You're holding on tight. Uh, it's scary, right? But then right over and over again, more confidence, more confidence, right? Until you're like, woo, hands up. Riding that roller coaster. But you got to have faith in his, in the confidence in who Jesus is in his authority. So, and remember to be thankful for the greatest gift. That is the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus who forgives our sins. That is the greatest gift that we have. Surrender to him and surrender to his authority. All right, let's pray. Father, we just come before you today just thankful. We praise you for this uh, text that we have gone through today. What a blessing it is, Father, that we can see such truth revealed. And Father, just pray that as we continue to study, Father, that we understand your purpose and your plan, and we see your son, Father, and we see our Savior, who, um, whose authority is revealed, Father. And as we surrender our lives, Father. If there's someone here who has not surrendered their life, Father, I just pray that today could be the day that you would just draw them close to you and they would understand and see the importance of trusting in your son. And Father, we're so thankful that you have made that way uh, clear to us. So Father, we're so thankful. I pray for each and every believer, Father, that is here today, that we should have a boldness, Father, to be able to proclaim the gospel, that we should have a confidence in who you are, Uh, Father, you have made the evidence so clear. You have given us your word as truth. And, Father, we can uh, stand boldly in that truth. So we are so thankful for that. So I pray for a boldness and confidence uh, for the believers here and that we would continue to grow closer uh, to each other in community and grow in knowledge together. So, Father, continue to use us as broken people uh, for your uh, kingdom and just pray that we are able to have those conversations uh, to share our testimonies, to share, our, um, to share the gospel and the truths that you give us, Father. 
So we just want to praise you today. So we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.